0: to the WMKT Week in Review. Happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome back to the WMKT Week in Review. I'm Nick Rudy, your host. Thanks for tuning in, Northern Michigan. Got a lot of stuff set up for today's show. Some news, an interview. I promised all week that there's going to be a special interview today. Joined, rejoined actually, by a special guest to talk about Ukraine. We'll get into that in a little bit. But first, let's get into some more of these important news stories. Airports, you've probably seen a lot about this, heard a lot about this on the news and on social media and in your newspaper. I'm going to break it down for you. Airports in rural Michigan, areas including Alpena and Pelston will be losing direct flights to Detroit and Minneapolis, which could add hours to trips and ruin airport revenue. SkyWest Inc. is a regional contract carrier under the Delta brand. And it's the only passenger carrier at these airports, and they plan to cut these direct flights starting in September. The loss of passengers is expected to cost the airport about, well, airports, $1 million in revenue, which is about half of their operating revenue. SkyWest, for its part, blames the national pilot shortage as the cause for it making the change. Nationally, the airline industry is short an estimated 12,000 pilots after a wave of retirements during the pandemic, some of them planned some of them in retaliation to vaccine mandates. This could be, you know, this is part of that whole um, thing we saw across the country as far as people quitting their jobs, you know, because of vaccination status um, or testing requirements. The shortage may be alleviated as the CDC recently loosened its COVID guidance. Um, The CDC no longer requires um, recommending people in schools. They don't have to have... um, testing people who don't have COVID symptoms anymore, people who aren't vaccinated no longer have to quarantine if they were exposed to someone with COVID. And they also mentioned uh, natural immunity through existing vaccines and exposure to the virus has lowered the risk of the disease spreading. So while the loosening of restrictions may encourage workers to reenter the workforce and pick up old jobs, it also may not. uh, Just in the last few days, there's been notable anger among those who quit their jobs and who are unvaccinated and then saw the loosening of the restrictions From the CDC as indication they were right all along. And those same people may not be interested in returning to their old jobs regardless of the rules changes simply out of spite or maybe they just found a new job, but it could be spite as well. But back to the local airline situation, according to Sheboygan local and frequent flyer Dennis Lennox, a daily nonstop flight is the economic lifeblood of northern michigan which by the way i'm going to try to get dennis on the show for next week he did a couple of interviews regarding this his uh, he was quoted in the bridge article um, that i pulled some of the source material from um you know as i said before airports could lose one million dollars in revenue the airports do not actually record profit they are heavily subsidized by the federal government it's also not like these flights are empty they're already booked during peak season and still popular during the winter, so more people will be competing for fewer seats. So not only would this affect the travel of local residents, but it could also hurt our essential tourism industry as well, because people don't want to hop on all these flights to get to northern Michigan if they don't want to fly. Because you know, people from any further than probably Ohio don't really want to r- drive their car up to northern Michigan. So you know, our tourism industry could take a hit. You know, restaurants, hotels, anything regarding our you know let's talk about lifeblood of northern Michigan. That's our tourism. And if anything affects that, it's a big problem. And so even regardless of whether or not these airports shut down, it's just going to you know, not be a super incentivizing people to fly up here. Um, but, yeah, again, I'll try to get Dennis on the show. Um, he actually emailed some of this information to, the, uh, to me um, and WMKT. So I think there is a pretty good possibility he'll be on with us next week. Last call for those drinks and last call on this warning. Talked about this during the week. Um, Put this on our social media. Do you have Capri Sun in your pantry? Because you might want to go check them out. Kraft Heinz recalled thousands of pouches of Capri Sun in the U.S. after cleaning solution was accidentally mixed with the juice. Uh, The best one used by date on the packages is June 25th, 2023. So don't panic too much. Because it only affects just under 6,000 pouches. It's the wild cherry flavor. And it's when the best by use date... Is June 25th, 2023, and it's only for products in the United States. So if you have the Canadian supply for some reason and it's still wild cherry and the Best Buy Use dates June 25th, don't worry. US, June 25th, 2023, and wild cherry flavor. If so, throw it out and go get a refund. Talk about a devastating move for all of you soccer moms out here. I don't, I, your kids may not be able to get to their games anymore because first of its kind self guided tour. Wine tour opened at a Lelanau County winery. Aurora Cellar's self-guided tour takes you through the vineyard, making stops at signs with QR codes where you can watch videos hosted by head winemaker Drew Perry. The tour is offered year-round between the winery's normal business hours. So is the wine tasting self-guided? Because if that's the case, this is going to be an extraordinarily popular uh, situation going on over in Lelanau County. Uh, get to walk around and drink as much wine as you want, if that's the case. But it sounds like you're just kind of walking around the, the yard. Who knows what the, the wine tasting situation really is. Um, although, you know, not everything is better self, self-guided. self I feel like there probably um, is a an appreciation for actual guided tours that you can go out. And if it's the head winemaker, Drew Perry, or if it's just an assistant at the winery, taking you around, answering questions, um, you know, that you might have spur of the moment that aren't answered in the video. You know, I know it is uh, a bit, you know, calling the, uh, the kettle black because I am pretty, pretty heavily introverted. And um, one of my favorite modern conveniences, um, you know, over the past 20 years is a self-checkout. And it, it always makes me happy when I see an increased number of self-checkouts or faster self-checkouts. It's so like, for instance, here in Petoskey, Meyer just got renovated um, and I don't really have a, a single grocery store that I go to. I hop between Walmart, Aldi, and Meyer, So, you know, I'm not beholden to any particularly gr- particular grocery chain. But when I'm at Meyer, I did notice that they redid their self-checkout aisle to where you know, there are more self-checkouts um, on both ends of the floor um, over by food and then over by like, you know, like the, the bath and um, personal care items. And then um, they've also, I think this wasn't part of the renovation. They did this before, but they kept it where it's like, if you have like 10 or fewer items, you literally can just go up and like scan them with your phone and scan it to the little kiosk and you're good to go. Or you can just scan the actual items there as well. It's like 10 or fewer items. So it's like the self, it's like the express self-checkout. So if you're like really in a hurry and you just bought a pack of gum and a Coke, like you can get in and out. Um, So Always super excited to see those type of conveniences for an introvert like me. So I guess maybe I can uh, summon up the courage to head out to Leonola County and do a wine tour. Uh, Although I probably wouldn't be partaking in it because I will admit I'm not the the biggest fan of wine. But maybe, uh, like wine itself, my taste buds will refine and get better with age. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with the WMKT Week in Review on 1023 and 1033 FM, 1270 AM Triple Talk, WMKT.
1: Dan Bongino. You may say, oh, gosh, they won't indict Trump. Well, if it happens in the D.C. circuit, which is, what, 90% Democrat and 99% anti-Trump, combine that with the fact that we used to joke in federal law enforcement you could indict a ham sandwich, don't scoff at the possibility of an indictment for Trump. It would be ridiculous, immoral, unethical, and probably based on a bunch of made-up nonsense. But don't
0: downplay it. The Dan Bongino Show, weekdays at noon on Triple Talk WMKT. The products and services we buy cost as much as they ever have.
1: From a dozen eggs or a gallon of gas to your monthly haircut, which means it's never mattered more where you spend your money. When you shop a store with a door, 88 cents of every dollar stays
0: right here in our northern Michigan communities. When you shop nationally, that number drops all the way to 43 cents, less than half. Your dollar might seem less valuable than ever, but it's never mattered more to your community. Shop a store with a door. A service of Triple Talk WMKT.
1: Nobody risks their life and their family's life for just a piece of land. See, that's what people will say. We came here for the land. We didn't come here for the gold. Some did. People came here not just to be free to worship, but they also came for a chance. We'll be able to be ourselves. We'll have control of our own life. We will have a space we can call ours. The Glenn Beck Program on WMKT.
0: Hey there, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to the WMKT Weekend Review on 1023 and 1033 FM, 1270 AM Triple Talk, WMKT. All right, as promised, I have a special guest joining the show today, Ambassador Francis Rooney. He served as the ambassador to the Holy See from 2005 to 2008 under George Bush and was a Republican member of the U.S. House of Representatives for Florida's 19th District, From 2017 to 2021, the ambassador was on earlier this year talking about uh, the war in Ukraine, and he recently wrote an op-ed in Fox on the Fox website, which I will link to in the podcast form here that you can get on our website, WMKT, Go there. It'll be in our podcast uh, notes, so you can check out his full op-ed, but I wanted to have him on to talk about what he wrote about, which was... He does not think that Pope Francis has been harsh enough on Vladimir Putin and bringing the Holy See's moral high ground to bear in regards to Putin's aggression against Ukraine. So we talked about that and a little bit more generically about the whole situation on Ukraine and the West's response, particularly NATO and the United States. Here's Ambassador Rooney. About this op-ed that you wrote in Fox, um, you know, you aired your concern with uh, that Pope Francis has not used his platform and brought the church's moral authority to bear enough in the conflict in Ukraine. Can you kind of explain your reasoning to why you believe that?
1: Yeah, even not only has he not used the Holy See uh, productively in the, in the Ukraine, he's actually done the other thing. He's done the opposite. I think it's been a big negative. He basically argued that there's two sides to Putin's naked aggression because buying into this ridiculous uh, theory going around by the less developed world that because we expanded NATO, we're responsible for Putin's behavior. I just don't buy that at all.
0: Sure. You know, to get more pointed, I think one of the more problematic quotes that you had from Pope Francis in that article was, you know, while we see the ferocity and the cruelty of Russian troops, we must not forget the, the real problems we, uh, if we want to have them be solved. Uh, does this have like a hint of Dietrich Bonhoeffner's statement that silence in the face of evil is itself evil, or has the Pope condemn, condemned Russia's actions enough to shield him from more harsh criticism?
1: Well, yeah, I think that he's uh, got the wrong, uh, he's totally wrong. I mean, he's talking about we've got to consider all the factors. What are the factors? The factors are that Putin has uh deployed basically hegemonic aggression for ten years now when he went into Abkhazia uh, and South Ossetia and then it took Crimea, which our president, by the way, at the time Obama joked about. It's ridiculous. And then now with what he's doing in the Ukraine. There's there's to me I don't see any comp- compelling opposing factors or militating factors to consider in this.
0: Sure. Just to play devil's advocate briefly here. According to The Guardian, a couple of months ago, Ukraine banned 11 opposition political parties. Ukraine has a battalion, the AVOV's battalion, who has neo-Nazi members in their ranks. Zelensky fired his top prosecutor, intelligence chief, and other senior officials. And The Wall Street Journal wrote a report stating U.S. officials are worried about or some of the money the US has sent Ukraine has gone to just you know general worries of corruption. Ukraine certainly seems to have some problems, but this doesn't really justify per se Russia, you know, beating them with a stick and invading. Do you think that the pope is trying but failing to condemn Russia but not letting Ukraine off the hook for some of its problems or has he just kind of Really, just missed the ball, putting any heat on Putin See, at all. I,
1: I think he's missed the ball. He didn't say anything about Ukraine, and and we all agree. I think that Ukraine's got some serious problems. We that was why the javelins were held up for a couple of years because they were so corrupt, especially at the border, and that the president was stealing them blind and before Zelensky, and uh, uh, they've got serious problems. But they seem to be trying to have build a country, and that's their right to do. And uh, we seem to be have wanted to help them and all the Western the new the newly emerging Eastern European democracies. And so, you know, despite their problems and and there there are some orban like authoritarian streaks in all of those people over there. I mean, they've been told what to do since the Habsburgs and and previously. And they're not used to the kind of freedoms that we're used to.
0: No, that's that's a totally fair point. You know, you alluded to this earlier that, um. Pope Francis said the West may have tempted Russia by, quote, barking at the doors of Russia and attempted expansion by the West is aggression, in, at least in his opinion. Is he right at all that if buffer countries between the West and Russia continued to stay theoretically neutral, the war could have been permanently avoided? Or is Putin crazy enough and Russia have such an imperialist, imperialistic mindset uh, that the war probably would have started regardless at some point?
1: Well, I don't think Russia is going to take, take NATO I, I, I'd be very surprised. Anything could happen with this guy and our western weakness certainly has enabled him to think he can do a lot of things that apparently his army can't do now but nato that would be a pretty serious transition transgression because the article 13 requires that all the western countries protect lithuania estonia latvia and poland etc
0: Right. And then with the move with getting a, a Finland, uh, you know, in, uh, and uh, there was one other country it's passed my mind. Uh, uh, Sweden, Sweden, uh, allowing them into NATO. So you, do you think that's going to um, show a sign of strength on the end of NATO in the United States that uh, might, you know, help Putin to back off? Or do you think that might amp up his aggression or is it just kind of something that's 50 50 remains to be seen?
1: Well, I think your your Pope Francis types are going to see it as aggression, just because they already see everything as aggression. I would tend to argue that uh, the first point you made, I'd say the fact that we're willing to admit Finland and Sweden, since they certainly have as much justification as the Eastern European democracies that we've already let in, shows that we're not willing to cower to Putin.
0: Why do you think Pope Francis hasn't taken a stronger stand? Is this uh, political on his part, or what do you, you think his reasoning is?
1: I think this is there's a lot of complex stuff in this guy. Okay, I mean, he wrote a uh, encyclical about the environment and didn't make, say one thing about these thieving African countries who are so corrupt and steal all the money. He let them totally skate and just blamed the developed world for not giving them enough money. Which is the typical mantra of these uh, new uh, developing world uh, liberation theologists? They say, "Well, you know, the rich West owes us, and 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 we don't have to be corrupt or behave well because the rich West is the rich West." I think that's ridiculous, and that goes back to the liberation theology in Latin America, where they will never be happy with people that have more than them, uh, in terms of saying they don't give enough back to the poor.
0: Sure. And I asked you this the last time you were on, and now that it's been a couple of weeks, almost, I think, a couple of months that, um, you know, we've kind of seen the the war in Ukraine uh, play out a little further. Is there any more indication, uh, uh, in your opinion, into how this uh, war is going to play out here in the future, if there's any uh, off-ramps?
1: Well, it's hard to see because there hasn't been any diplomatic moves since the last time we visited you know, the, it's going to take the Western powers in Russia to get in there and come up with a solution. I don't think Zelensky's going to do it on his own. And, and it looks to me like the, the, the fighting is a, a bit of a stalemate. Every once in a while it goes for Russia, like when they attack parts of that nuclear plant. Then you hear that uh, uh, the Ukraine used some of our missiles and wiped out a bunch of Russians. So it's kind of a yin and yang right now with no progress being made towards an ultimate solution.
0: Sure. So we've we've talked about how um, Pope Francis hasn't really done enough um, to put heat on uh, Russia and particularly Putin. NATO has taken a couple of steps forward um, in solidifying their strength um, by admitting two more countries, Sweden and Finland. Uh, What about the United States, uh, singularly? Uh, Has the Biden administration done anything in your mind to um, signify any further strength as you know the number one uh, world power uh, in the in the world or do you think um, with this uh, inflation reduction act that um, will you know there are some economists that are worrying that it's going to weaken our economy further and then furthermore uh, heavier reliance on green energy um, which you know may have us going back um, to, beg for oil from other countries or even back to Russia does that put us where do you think that positions America as far as uh, you know signifying strength on a world stage against against you know someone particularly like Putin
1: well I don't think we've showed a lot of strength on the world stage in a lot of fronts uh, first of all every one of these bills just spins the rest of our 245 50 year patrimony and spins us into the gutter. You know, when Carter left office, the national debt was like 34 percent of GDP. Now it's 126 or something. It's like the worse than most, been some European countries. And we continue to spend. The, the I'm all for clean energy, no doubt about it. And ultimately, that's natural gas-fired electric plants and no coal are a good first step in that and more carbon sequestration but we still need a strong and vibrant oil and gas industry because we're going to have oil and gas for a long time no matter how well we make transitions in certain parts of the economy and it's much better that we have a thriving domestic industry than we go begging around the world for oil which biden just did he even talked to venezuela
0: right yeah absolutely not showing a lot of uh not a lot of uh, competence on the world stage there, especially since um, with Saudi Arabia, he's previously spoken out against them and now had to uh, had to go back and kind of make some concessions. We're speaking with Ambassador Francis Rooney. Uh, he served as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives from Florida's 19th District and Ambassador to the Holy See, 2005 to 2008 under George Bush. Uh, Ambassador Rooney, appreciate your time. Thanks, as always, for coming on. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Again, that was former Ambassador Francis Rooney. Appreciate his time, as always. And again, I'm going to link his op-ed in the podcast notes once this show here is done. You can get that in archived format at WMKTTheTalkStation.com or on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as always. All right, let's take one more quick break. We'll be right back with the WMKT Week in Review on 1023 and 1033 FM, 1270 AM Triple Talk, WMKT
2: There's one man on this earth who really, truly gets it. When you have another government, their military, that is attempting to assassinate a former American Secretary of State and National Security Advisor. That is an act of war. Why are we negotiating with the Iranians when they put an assassination hit out on the former Secretary of State and former
0: National Security Advisor? Why? Mark Levin is on the radio. Weeknights at 6 on WMKT. You might listen to the radio by yourself, but you're certainly not alone. Together, radio stations like this one reach more than 90% of Americans every single week. Six times more than Sirius XM, five times more than Pandora, and four times more than Spotify. Whether you want news or sports talk, top 40 or country, local AMFM radio is always there, 24-7, 365, 100% free. Thank you for making AMFM radio a part of your week. Message furnished by this station.
1: Dan Bongino. Now you may say, oh, gosh, they won't indict Trump. Well, if it happens in the D.C. circuit, which is, what, 90% Democrat and 99% anti-Trump, combine that with the fact that, at least a joke in federal law enforcement, you can indict a ham sandwich, don't scoff at the possibility of an indictment for Trump. It would be ridiculous, immoral, unethical, and probably based on a bunch of made-up nonsense. But don't downplay it.
0: The Dan Bongino Show, weekdays at noon on Triple Talk WMKT. Welcome back to the WMKT Week in Review on 1023 and 1033 FM, 1270 AM Triple Talk, WMKT. I'm Nick Rudy, your host. One final story for this Sunday morning. A homeless shelter in Traverse City is going to be open nearly 24-7 on the weekends in the winter. Traverse City commissioners unanimously approved the proposal to start a six-month pilot that allows Safe Harbor Shelter to open on the weekends in the winter. Weekday hours will still remain 6 p.m. to 8 a.m., and the pilot is set to begin in October. Way back in March, I talked with now former board chair Mike McDonald and talked a little bit with him about what they do at Safe Harbor, and since this story is still relevant today and some of the stuff that we discussed way back in March is coming to fruition now, I think it would be nice to go back and listen to part of the interview that we had way back in March. And again, if you want to listen to the full thing, to see every aspect of what Safe Harbor is about. Episode five of the WMKT Week in Review. You'll catch the full conversation with former director Mike McDonald. Here he is.
2: Safe Harbor is a, has been a seasonal overnight shelter for people experiencing homelessness uh, in the uh, Traverse City area. Uh we house anywhere from sixty to seventy uh guests a night during our normal season, which has been from November first uh to April thirtieth uh The shelter itself has been in operation for five years. But for 13 years prior to that, uh, we housed uh, folks experiencing homelessness in a rotating uh, uh, group of local churches. So the opera- the organization's been exi- in existence for 18 years, but only five in the physical uh, shelter building. Okay. And- I think that pretty well sums it up. We provide a... Uh, a warm evening meal during uh, the winter, um, you know, sleeping accommodations, and uh, folks are, uh, the folks that are staying there are expected to leave uh, at eight o'clock in the morning, and uh, not come back till six o'clock the next evening. It is just an overnight operation.
0: Sure. And so you'd mentioned that Previously, you had worked with rotating through, uh, people through churches. So, are you guys still uh, uh, are you guys still supported by those churches financially? Right. And are because I, I saw you guys are also uh, you know in partnership with Goodwill.
2: Yeah, uh, we are uh, uh, supported. But some of our financial support comes from the churches. Our... Volunteers who provide the majority of the staffing for the shelter, they cook the meals, serve them, uh, assist the guests with other things, um, is still operated with a church taking a week throughout the season, you know, so we're still heavily dependent on the churches for our volunteers, although we have since the shelter, building has opened, also build up a fairly large cadre of what we call community volunteers who are not necessarily affiliated with one of our churches. And those community volunteers tend to fill openings in our volunteer schedule. So, you know, in a nutshell, the churches are still heavily involved, and technically uh, they provide guidance to the organization.
0: So yeah, I've been reading a couple of articles about you guys looking at maybe expanding into the uh the summertime. So you could could you uh speak to that as well?
2: Well, this would be just a trial. Um at the present time, uh the people that stay at Safe Harbor, the large majority of them in the summer uh will camp out somewhere in the Traverse City area. You know, for the summer. Sure. Um and we opened mainly to keep people from freezing to death in the winter uh, because a lot of folks were camping out even in the winter because they had no place to go. Um, but uh, we've all, to some degree, camping out has also become problematic for some of our more vulnerable uh, guests. Uh, uh, I believe the police department uh, recorded last summer some 50 to 60 assaults on uh, people experiencing homelessness where they were camped out in the woods. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, some of these were, uh, you know, one homeless person getting into a fight with another homeless person, uh, but there were also instances of other people Uh, You know, actually just assaulting people in the woods. And what we wanted to do was find out if the homeless population would use a shelter in the summer, and that would provide them then a safe place uh, to sleep, you know. uh, Our plan would be just to open later than we normally do during the winter, probably around 8 o'clock in the evening. And again, you know, only be open till 8 in the morning Um, and primarily be a place to sleep. We would not uh, serve meals because there's a community uh, meal network during the summer. Uh, that serves meals, you know, primarily in churches, but some of them are places like the Salvation Army.
0: All right, that's all the time that we have for today. Again, that was Mike McDonald, the former executive director of Safe Harbor in Traverse City. And one last thing before we part ways here, big news regarding the show coming up in the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned. We'll be making a formal announcement, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, even sooner. This has been the WMKT Week in Review. I'm Nick Grudy, your host. You're listening to 1023 and 1033 FM, 1270 AM Triple Talk, WMKT.